0: 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host Ron Beard is up next.
1: Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing main communities. To share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, a major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Well this morning as I drove by the Hancock County Bar Harbor Airport, it wasn't terribly busy but in the summer it's a very busy place with commercial flights and and, uh, private jets and other aircraft. Um, A local airport and its services are part of the equation for a healthy economy, serving the public and a variety of commercial interests. And this morning we've got some guests in the studio who can help us understand better um, the role of the Hancock County Bar Harbor Airport. We're glad to welcome uh, Faye Lawson. Faye is a county commissioner. Um, Welcome to you, Faye.
0: Good morning, Bob. How are you?
1: And then Allison Navia. Allison is the um, manager of the airport and we're glad to have her in the studio. Later on we'll talk with some folks who use the airport. Um, but, uh, Faye, we'll start with you, um, the the county commissioner. Um, that's an interesting role. How did you get started in in, in this kind of work?
0: Well, well, I was town manager for the town of Tremont and always complaining about paying county taxes. And so an opportunity arose that there was an op- uh, an opening. <coughs> Actually, what happened is uh, uh, Damon wanted to run for the Senate, the main uh-huh. Senate, and he was the county commissioner at that time and so he and i both being democrats uh, asked me would i be willing to s- to step in and serve in his place and he convinced me that there was nothing to it you know that you had to meet <laughs> once a month and I, and i thought i could do that uh so i uh, i said yes i would and i was then appointed uh, by the governor to fill uh, Dem- uh dennis's place uh-huh. and uh, i did so for 2 years and then uh when the opportunity arose, I decided I'd better run again. Uh And I did, and I did, and and then again and again, (laughs) and so here I am
1: great. Ten years. And and you've got a particular, we'll talk a little bit more about this later, but you've got a particular role in, in kind of helping to oversee the airport operations. I, th- I guess you divide up your duties among the three county commissioners. We
0: do. Each of us take three or four of the departments, and actually for all ten years that I've been here, I've been uh, a liaison at the airport. Great. So I've been uh, pretty familiar with that. I think they gave me the job because I used to be a pilot in my younger, more daring days. Okay. Well, Allison. <laughs> you're also a pilot how did you get interested in
1: in aviation that must have started fairly young
0: yes
2: it did i was in high school and i had a a job on the side during the summer where i worked at a greenhouse and the guy who ran the greenhouse was he was a mountain of a man his name was phil allen and his one requirement was that everybody who worked there had to eat lunch with him every day so that was kind of neat he would all he would buy us all lunch and we would sit around and have a conversation together and we were sitting there, it was my junior year of high school, and he said, well, you're getting ready to be done soon, so what do you think you're gonna do with yourself? And that was right around that time that Black Hawk Down had come out, that movie. And so all gung-ho and foolish as I was, I said, well, it'd be awesome to fly helicopters. That's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna join the Marines Center to fly helicopters. And I felt rather foolish when he looked at me and said, well, have you ever flown before? And I said, "Uh, no. (laughs) So he followed right back up with it and said, well, listen, I've just had a pacemaker put in, so I'm no longer eligible to fly because he couldn't obtain a medical certificate. And he said, I have about six hours worth of classes up at the Twitchell Airport that's in Turner. You can have them if you want to go check it out. So he gave me six hours of flight time. And so I went up there with my dad and got in the plane, and it was... uh, an older, much older, Cessna 152, so you're rubbing thighs and elbows with the instructors next to you crammed into this little plane, and I think that that airstrip was almost 50-50 between crack seal and tar, but it was just awesome. I loved it. The first second I took off, I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do. So I started looking at different colleges and different places to go to follow that and ended up going to Florida Institute of Technology Mm -hmm. for Aviation Management. Mm -hmm.
1: And when did you um, come to the Trenton Bar Harbor Airport?
2: Well, I worked at the Freiburg Airport. Um, I was a maintenance worker over there during the summers in college when I would come back um, and stay with my family. So I worked at that airport for a while, and I was assuming that I would continue coming back there. And it got to the point where it was you know two or three weeks before I was set to graduate from college and that the job was no longer really there for me so I think I called just about every airport in Maine I can replace runway lights I can plow snow I've got I can try to manage the airline I can work in the airport manager's office I can flight instruct do you have any jobs whatsoever and I found a job at Bar Harbor um, flight instructing Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and how long ago was that?
2: That was the summer of 2008.
1: Uh huh. So not so long ago. No,
2: I'm still green.
1: And and uh, I note in in your extensive press package that you were named Airport Manager of the Year in 2010. So yeah. t- 2008 to 2010. That's a pretty amazing kind of trajectory.
2: I didn't see that one coming
1: <laughs> at all. Tell, tell us a little bit about your uh, current work. What's the, what's the job of the airport manager? What what kinds of things do you do on a week to week basis?
2: I get that question all the time, and it's it's really hard to mm. say. In mm-hmm. sort of just like it's hard to say, you know, well, a commissioner only has to come in and work <laughs> one day a month, and it's no big <laughs> deal. And there's a lot more to it than just mm-hmm. that. Um, And I remember when I came in for my second job interview and it was kind of the the finalizing of if you're going to make this decision, this is what you're going to be involved in. And the previous manager, Bob Cossett, who had been there for over 30 years at that time, sat me down and said, listen, I want you to know exactly what you're getting yourself into here. And he had three typed pages of roles and responsibilities of the airport manager. Um, The most basic terms that I can put it in is to say that you're responsible for executing the laws of the local, state, and federal government at the airport. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean that it's just the regulations and the laws that pertain to aviation. Um, You have things that pertain to the employees, to safety, security, um, land use, environmental use, uh, fire codes, electrical codes, plumbing, civil service, financing, investment. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It's basically everything that can uh, apply to a business, that can apply to an airport, that can apply to um, all of those different concessions that are in there, and that applies to just kind of generally being a massive landlord Mm. for all of those businesses, the leases, the operating rights, all of those types of things. Um, Public speaking is a big part of it (laughs) that you need to make yourself familiar with even if you don't want to. Um, got to be able to work under a low or a tight budget um, and function for job security um, during snowstorms, hurricanes, um, presidential visits that are unexpected. You got to look to the future of air traffic, um, FAA policies, different state laws and rules and see what's coming down the pike and try to be proactive instead of reactive to those kind of things. The basic knowledge now I have to have of how to run a fire department, um, their salaries, equipment, procedures, and all that basic structure. um, Obtain. We've been working on obtaining surplus equipment um, at little or no cost, and then, of course, making it functional at little or no cost, and I'm lucky to have really great maintenance um, facility and the, the fellows that work down there can weld you up just about anything and make just about any engine run so I'm really lucky to have them um, an in-depth knowledge of accounting is really important because I'm, I'll handle everything from a NAPA bill for a cord of oil to a reimbursement request or a contractor invoice for hundreds of thousands of dollars so there's a big wide variety of things with there and I think the most, one of the most important things is being able to see the airport from the perspective of a taxpayer, um, a pilot, a county commissioner, um, the main Department of Transportation, and also from the FAA, and being able to meld all those together and look towards the future with all of those different views and see how you can communicate that to people, so that's mm-hmm. one of the that's one of the most important things. Mm-hmm,
1: that communicating role, Yep. And it's you know, people as me uh, drive by, or sometimes we uh, fly out of the airport, we don't have anything. It's like um, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Here's Allison with all of these things that you you've got to be responsible for. Um, Faye, what would you say about the, the role of the the airport well, manager?
0: Uh, first of all, I'd say that she is unduly modest. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The, one of the roles of the commissioners is to hire the uh, airport manager. And we hired Allison first as assistant to Bob Cassettes. Uh, and the idea was to have her work with Bob uh, before he retired and bring her up to speed as to mm. what was going on. And we, inter- we interviewed several people. And Allison came on. She was the last one that we interviewed. And I remember this quite well. And uh, she came in in a pair of dungarees and kind of slouched in, and and Bob had commented later, oh, gee, don't wear dungarees to work or some such thing. But uh, uh, at the end of the interview, uh, she did something that nobody else had done. She said to us, what are your plans for future development of the airport? And everybody kind of spruced up and said "Wow she, <laughs> she she wants to know where where this is going to go and also we looked at her uh, resume uh, and I thought, uh, I for one is was truly amazed at the court work, the coursework she had and high achievement in everything she 'd ever done, and all the extra work done in summers in actual hands on uh, management of airport it was really really uh no question uh, mm. in my mind that she was the person to hire mm. and my two colleagues uh, agreed mm-hmm. and so here she is and we are certainly very happy to have what's, her what's
1: what's the history of the hancock <coughs> county bar harbor airport um faye you said that you flew into an early interview with the J- jackson lab um and it was a grass strip it was a grass strip indeed
0: uh-huh. yeah and uh, threw in, flew in in a in a twin engine in cessna which kind of bumped along the grass and I uh, uh, was t- met by people from the lab for, to take me for my interview, and went at the exit, they had arranged for my departure as well, and uh, we got, they got me to the airport too late, and there was the uh, plane at the end of the runway doing its uh, uh, run-up, ready to go, and they said, oh, well, we'll call it back. <laughs> <laughs> and so they did. So It was really interesting in those days.
1: Allison, you've been kind of probing in the files and kind of looking for uh, old photographs and records. T- what can you tell us about the history of, of the airport?
2: Um, the airport was first established as just the Bar Harbor Airport in 1934. Um, the town of Bar Harbor originally owned it, and they constructed two runways and an 80-by-100-foot hangar. So it was originally intended to serve the more wealthy people that summered mm-hmm. on Mount Desert Island, Um, and we don't know really why the airport was built in Trenton but I would assume that it was just because of land uses that there wasn't a whole lot of land available actually on the island. It's flat. (laughs) <laughs> it's beautiful it's beautiful. Yeah, And actually
0: at that time the harbor, harbor owned some of the land in trenton including the head of the island mm. so mm. I, I think it had an interest in that parcel as well okay yeah yep. and it's slowly grown um over the
2: years that was i have pictures up in my office back from um all the way back to when they were first constructing that and then all the way through and you can see how it how it has grown, mm-hmm. and we now have um, about 480 acres and 10,000 feet of shorefront. So it's it's an absolutely beautiful piece of property. Um, in 1942, the United States government leased the airport from the town of Bar Harbor, and they constructed. The way that the, much of the airport is today. There were originally three runways, one of which is now taxiway Alpha. So you can see it, especially when you're f- in the air. It has that typical um, naval structure of mm. the, it looks like a triangle, the way that all three inter- um, runways intersect with each other. There were blimp mooring facilities, um, and a lot of blimps operated out of there during that war. Uh, the seaplane parking apron, and there was also th- that. Big granite seaplane ramp we have a fifty foot seaplane ramp, and the um, it was actually used yesterday for a seaplane to come in for some maintenance so it's that still gets used today, even though it 's much more popular now as a boat ramp and a, a place of access for um, marine type of uses um, at the end of the war the u s government um, sold the airport back for a dollar to the mm-hmm. county of hancock ah. um, the the town operated part of it until 1961 and then the the county completely took it over then so the facilities and services have grown the whole airport terminal area used to be over right next to route three and then it moved across the airport Um, and in 1976 the terminal building that exists that exists now was first built and opened so i have um i have all framed up the little invitation card to the opening of the new terminal building and the napkins that were there, that have you know all the little specific things about it. So, it's grown now to the point where um, we have 50 based aircraft that actually stay there year round and about 50,000 annual operations, which are takeoffs and landings. Anytime during uh, the month of August, which is our most busy month during the year, there could be anywhere from 80 to 100 transient aircraft out there, and it's to the point where our fixed based operator actually has to turn jets away at some points because there's just not enough parking space. There's so many private jets out there. So it's really quite something to see, and it makes us unique among a lot of airports, especially in Maine, to have mm. that many jets all the mm-hmm. time.
1: And, and the, the aircraft has changed um, since, um, Faye, you flew into <laughs> Bar Harbor, and, and I think of the CESTA that you flew in. Um, does that place different kinds of demands on, on the airport and the airport manager to have larger planes, more sophisticated planes?
2: Um, yes, it does. It does for F.A. facilities, for the navigational aids that need to be on the airport, um, the different kind of pavement strengths. It just goes on and on and on, all those kind of things. For the fixed-based operator, it's a matter of having enough jet fuel. Um, they actually just finished installing their new fuel farm that has a 20,000-gallon jet fuel tank, so that should should help things with that. They have two or three different um, drop-offs of fuel a week during mm. the peak time because there's so many, so many of those transient airplanes that come in just to drop people off or pick people up and then take back off again. So and you've used a term
1: that maybe fuel. listeners aren't familiar with. That you said a fixed-based operator. Describe that term and how's that different from the commercial um, operation.
2: A fixed-based operator um, is somebody that. It comes in, it's an entity that operates off of the airport to provide a variety of different services. Um, So we have fixed based operators that do scenic tours, um, that do flight instruction, that can do work on maintenance of the aircraft, whether that's actually avionics or um, airframe and power plant maintenance. Then you also have the fuel servicing, um, selling different kind of pilot supplies, books, and mm-hmm. headsets, and all those kind of things. And so it goes through a whole different gamut of different things that a fixed based operator can do. So mm-hmm. there's several different kinds.
1: And you kind of have to kind of manage all that into the contracts for those kinds of services.
2: Yep. There's right. um, there's land leases. That go into that and then there's also lease and operating rights agreements and that is all based off of um, a set of minimum standards that the airport comes up with as a policy document and that document just applies to everybody so that everybody can look at it and say okay you have these different fixed based operator rights this is what you're allowed to do.
1: So um, to give listeners a, a sense, and I should remind them that we're, you're tuned to Talk of the Towns here this morning. We're talking about the role of the Hancock County Bar Harbor Airport in the local economy, and you're listening to Allison Navia, who is the airport manager, and also in the studio with us is Faye Lawson, who is a county commissioner for the county of Hancock. Um, a little later on, we'll invite your calls as well. But, uh, Allison, give us a sense of the overall um, kind of economic impact that you kind of oversee. Um, what's the, what's the, the airport budget, and, and how does that all work?
0: I
2: directly have um, seven employees that work for me that work for the county of Hancock under the airports department. Then of course all the different fixed based operators have all of their employees. We have a year round um, car rental service with Hertz and then during the summer months um, Enterprise also comes in so we have their employees. There's also all the transportation security administration employees the airline, we have um, law enforcement officer service that's provided by Securitas, we also have Morris Yachts that has a non-aeronautical lease down by the seaplane ramp and um, all of those going on so the last actual economic impact study was done in 2004 and in that one they found that directly there were about 73 jobs at the airport that come to a tune of about three million dollars. Indirect jobs were 238 at that time, mm. and it was $5.5 million. Mm. So you can see that it has it has quite a substantial effect. When you start thinking about um, the taxi cab drivers that come over there, the bus, um, everybody who can come in to do any kind of contractual work for the airport, um, whether it's the giant earth-moving projects or like we're putting up the fence right now, or painting the runways, doing different things like that, there's always um, something like that going on too, so it definitely stimulates the economy the hotels and restaurants and things like that, people that wouldn't normally be able to come in that can actually fly in.
1: Right, and, and Faye, um, um, you said before the show started that um, um, some people used to criticize, or I said some people used to criticize because it looked like Hancock County had an airport, and why should we have an airport, those kinds of things. You made the point that it's paying for itself.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely paying for itself has been doing so for at least ten years now, and uh, uh, we can no longer complain <laughs> as taxpayers that <laughs> right. that we 're supporting the airport because we 're simply not doing that right as as the county commissioner or uh, uh, what we do what the county commissioners do uh, essentially we own uh, the four hundred and eighty odd acres that comprise the airport uh, so that is uh our domain, and we oversee uh allison 's uh, uh work, Allison's job, and mm-hmm. it's a pleasure to do so, mm-hmm. I must say, in regard to some other um, aspects of aspects, your work. Right. It's a pleasure because she gives us such detailed mm-hmm. uh, explanations of what's going on every single month and exactly uh, things that she needs, why she needs them. And I think you usually get what you ask for well, most of the time. <laughs> <I> mean, try. <laughs> right. She well, does try. In
1: a, in a minute, we're going to hear from somebody who uses um, the airport in a recorded interview. But, Allison, can you give us, you've already mentioned um, the, the uh, folks who come in in the summertime in, in private aircraft. Who else is our user of the airport? Um, you know, people who fly in and out. Um, t- t- talk about the users of the airport, if you could, just a minute.
2: There's plenty of local users. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned, those 50 based aircraft are local people, local gener- general aviation pilots. Um, we have quite a few hangars that are leased out by um, by local people and people that do just come for the summer, but they keep that annual lease mm-hmm. for their hangars to keep their aircraft there. Um, and then that also includes the aircraft that are tied down. Mm-hmm. So with With the flight school that we have, that offers a way for local pilots to come and maintain their currency, whether it's um, maintaining instrument flight currency where they can go with an instructor and shoot uh, instrument approaches into the airport or go up to Bangor to shoot approaches and go around, um, or just different things like that.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well one of the things that's been in the in the news recently is the, the fact that Colgan Air has announced that they're no longer going to serve the airport. So um, some people get nervous when they hear that um, but I think you can reassure them. <laughs> How would you reassure someone who's worried about Colgan Air um, pulling back their service?
2: The whole process of the way um, the air carrier has come to be at the Bar Harbor Airport involves the essential air service program that program is run through the Federal Department of Transportation. So what it does is it basically reimburses them for a certain number of passenger seats per flight um, to help them with their operating costs so that they can still provide that essential service to our area. Um, and what has happened is Colgan, Colgan used to be a family owned business and the family decided to get out of that business and they sold the business to um, Pinnacle airlines and they all they manage a couple different little regional air carriers and Colgan now is one of them um, they're restructuring their whole business and part of that is involves you know kinda looking at the financial aspects of everything and where they want to be and where they don't want to be and I guess in that in that discussion that they've had amongst themselves they figured out that they, this isn't the exact area that they want to be in um, so for all of those different reasons they've decided to pull out but with the obligations that the obligations that come with any kind of you know grants or assistance Subsidy, or anything that you yep, get yep. yep you you must follow the different regulations and one of those things is that they can't just pull out and leave us without having another carrier in their you know ready to step into their place so now what's happened is every 2 years usually we go as and get a request for proposals from the department of transportation for a new air carrier and they've just kind of changed that schedule so that now the proposal is being drawn up right now instead of next October.
1: And so um, you're, eventually the, the federal um, portion will, will issue an, a request for proposals for new carriers. And what's Colgan's obligation until that point?
2: Their obligation is still to fulfill their contract now, which is at least 14 flights a week.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, as you've kind of observed it in your years and maybe Fay, you have some uh, sense, what what are some of the changes that's happening in commercial aviation that's that's pushing groups like Pinnacle to make decisions that don't necessarily feel like they're serving the local community? What are some of those pressures that they're facing, do you suppose?
0: Well, one of them is pilot training, I think, don't you? Hmm. Uh, because the, uh, there is a, a general push to have much more pilot training than usual. And I think that that was a prime mover in this case that they felt that they had to spend so much more time uh, to train the pilots that uh, uh, it was not financially benefit mm-hmm. beneficial to them.
1: So pilot training might be one factor. Um, has air... Um, demand for air travel changed in in some way that 's significant that might be influencing them no no, no? N-
2: not in a measurable way. Um, mm-hmm. I think air traffic is very healthy and continues to do so um a big A big thing with going from a sort of a smaller company to a bigger company is just managing all like Faye had mentioned all the different kind of pilots and all of those the challenges that come with that and training everybody across the board. So going to a bigger company instead of a smaller company has presented some problems.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let's get another perspective. Um, we're going to hear an interview that I taped um, earlier this month with um, Captain Christian Barescove. Um, he is um, both a Colgan pilot and a commander in the Civil Air Patrol. Let's go to that interview now.
3: Uh, what brought me to the airport originally uh, was the airline. I've been flying for Colgan since 2004, and so uh, when Maine opened up, as a, uh, the Bar Harbor opened up as a base, Uh, I grew up in Maine, so I came as quick as I could, uh, and I moved to Trenton. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I've been in a volunteer service all my life, uh, I usually seek out the local volunteer groups, and I've been in the Civil Air Patrol for quite a while, and so I joined the local squadron here at the Trenton Airport. And uh, through the fire department, we do training uh, at the airport as well, and also with the ham radio uh, community and we do training with the FEMA and, and they hold exercises here at the airport as well. So through many different roles, that's that's how I'm involved with the airport here.
1: T- tell me a little bit about um, the role with Colgan. With um, what attracted you to, to, to fly um, and, and, and does that excitement still exist today?
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah, is it was, it was a really good story. I grew up down near the Brunswick Naval Air Station, which is now retired, mm-hmm. and I grew up with the P-3 Orion's, the sub-hunters, uh, flying overhead, and a fifth grade field trip to the Naval Air Station. Uh, we went to the local squadron there and uh, visited the airplane and I walked home that night telling my mom I wanted to be a pilot and uh, God bless her soul she did everything she could to make sure I saw my dream and and I did and uh, today every time I fly my office my desk is is above everything I can see so much yeah I I can see the weather patterns far different than anybody else can Uh, looking from the sky to the ground you can see things that uh, make you scratch your head at first, and then you realize if you're from the ground, it makes total sense. Uh, the people and you know, the aviation is still a small community and uh, a small industry, and uh, you get to meet a lot of different, diverse, and, and really qualified and, and spectacular people in the industry.
1: And the whole um, flying around this particular place, Acadia National Park, Penobscot Bay, um, the forests of Maine, that must be very special as someone who grew up in Maine.
3: <laughs> yes, you, you can't get tired of it. Flying over Mount Katahdin, my head's out the window. My head's not looking at the instruments. <laughs> Fortunately, we have a co-pilot. <laughs> but, uh, yes, I, I'm always enjoying I'm watching the sandy beaches uh, that I grew up, uh, down Popham Beach, Reed State Park area. So now I'm flying over all those uh, places I grew up in and seeing the fall, the fall foliage, that, that's an amazing sight from the air. You know, the whole ground looks like it's on fire.
1: Tell us about the Civil Air Patrol. What's the what's the mission of the Civil Air Patrol? The
3: uh, Civil Air Patrol has three uh, three missions. We're a civilian auxiliary of the United States Air Force, uh, so we're federally funded for search and rescue missions. But our three missions are search and rescue, aerospace education, and a youth program. And we have about 60,000 members nationwide about 350 members in Maine. We have about seven aircraft located in Maine uh, throughout the state. And uh, we we provide ground and air search and rescue. Uh, For the state of Maine specifically, we even uh, perform the fire watches throughout the summer. Uh, For the Coast Guard and the Navy, we escort the ships coming in and out of BIW. Uh, We, for the aerospace education, Uh, mission. We teach local schools, give local schools uh, resources to teach the students uh, about aerospace, aviation and space, rockets, things like that. And of course we have that for our members as well. And the youth program. Uh, The youth program we strive to develop future leaders of America, future leaders of the military if uh, they want to go that way. We're tied to the Air Force but it's a completely civilian and volunteer organization that performs all three of those missions. They're going to learn pretty quickly Uh, some basic search and rescue techniques. Uh, Here at the Bar Harbor Squadron, we also perform a lot of uh, emergency beacon searches. Uh, There's a lot of boats in the area, and boats have the same type of emergency beacons as airplanes, and so usually when there's an airplane beacon going off, no one really knows if it's a boat or an airplane, so Civil Air Patrols, you know, we're usually dispatched out to try to find it. So uh, one of the very first things you'll do is, is learn some basic search and rescue.
1: So how do um, young people in in this area get in touch and and, uh, learn about the Civil Air Patrol and and the cadet program?
3: Uh, That's a good question. Uh, National Headquarters has set up a wonderful uh, site, a public site, and it's called GoCivilAirPatrol.com. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're a teenager, a parent, a pilot, or just someone interested in volunteering for your community, uh, there's answers to just about all of your questions and of course every Tuesday evening we meet here at 630 at the airport um, if you're if you're a youth we stagger uh, when we have visiting so the best thing to do is uh, go to civil, gocivilairpatrol.com, find information from there and then if you're interested uh, you can email me at uh, bearsgove at tell
1: us about um, this airport hancock county airport
3: well there's plenty of opportunity here uh, there's not a lot of people that understand that there's actually a couple businesses on the airport and, of course, our search and rescue organization, Civil Air Patrol, is housed here and not very many people know about about that. So once the public becomes aware more of what the airport can offer, they'll understand that uh, there's economic uh, ties and there's uh, community ties here at the airport. When you get to know them, you get to, re- you get to be part of the community. And that's the nice thing about the Trenton Airport, is that it's, it's small enough, but it has enough services to, to offer to everybody, but it's, it's still personable. When you walk in, you recognize the gate agents. When you walk in, you recognize even the security people, uh, the rental car agency. Uh, the taxi cab drivers and, and our business travelers, the ones that travel regularly, it's always good to see them because they're always in high spirits, always in, in, in a good mood. And and they're happy and they're, and they're not upset if something doesn't go quite right. But to, to have that small town atmosphere is important. You know, you don't get that in in a city like Bangor.
1: You're tuned to WERU. This is Talk of the Towns, and that was a recorded interview with uh, Captain Christian Bearscove, a local pilot, and he's also commander of the Civil Air Patrol based at the uh, Bar Harbor, Hancock County Airport. We're talking about the role of the Hancock County Airport in in the, the local economy. And in, our, in the studio, we have Allison Navia, um, who is the airport manager, and Faye Lawson, who's a county commissioner with oversight for the airport. It um, se- seems like we're lucky to have folks like uh, Chris Bear Co- Cove involved in, in the airport. That's
0: for sure.
1: That's great. Well, now we're going to go to a different user of the airport, and uh, we welcome by phone Barry Teeter. Barry is with the uh, Jackson Laboratory, and uh, uh, welcome to Talk of the Towns, Barry.
4: Thank you, Ron. It's good to be with you and with Allison and Faye. Hey
0: there.
1: Hi. Um, uh, Barry, t- give us a thumbnail sketch of the Jackson Lab. Uh, most people know it's one of the largest employers, probably the largest employer now um, in Hancock County. But um, just remind us what your mission is, your science mission, and, and, and uh, what your contribution to the local economy uh, looks like.
4: Yes, you're right, Ron. The, uh, the laboratory is the largest employer in Hancock County. We have about 1,350 employees at the lab. Most of those, about 1,200, work here in Bar Harbor, and then we have another 100 or so who work in Sacramento. And uh, as of this week, we just uh, learned that we got funding from the state of Connecticut to expand in Farmington, Connecticut. So I think you're going to see continued growth at the laboratory, and uh, that includes not only in Connecticut, Sacramento, but right here at our headquarters in Bar Harbor. And And our mission, Ron, is we discover the genetic basis for preventing, treating, and curing human disease. And we also help other biomedical researchers around the world do that, too, with our resources and education programs.
1: And um, so that that, um, usually involves... um, uh, Um, Mice, I understand, that's probably the primary way that you're studying um, human disease?
4: Yes, uh, the laboratory mouse is a wonderful stand-in for human subjects in scientific research. Believe it or not, mice share about 95 to 99% of of their their genes with humans, so uh, they're a wonderful proxy for for doing uh, research in, in genetics and other life sciences
1: and as you look at the the overall um, contribution to the economy you've probably done studies like Allison has in terms of the the uh, economic contribution what would you um, how would you characterize that contribution to the local economy
4: yes uh, we have a main payroll of sixty six million dollars that goes out to employees in fifty seven zip codes in nine counties Hmm. Uh, we also do business with about six hundred main vendors And most of the money that comes into the laboratory is spent right here in Maine and much of it right here in down east Maine.
1: Mm -hmm. And um, you you mentioned um, not only that you've got scientists there, but you've got operations in California and and Connecticut. How do you make use of the airport, the Bar Harbor um, uh, Hancock County Airport?
4: Well, we we love the airport. Uh, I have flown in and out of it on many occasions, and it makes uh, life so much more convenient uh, (laughs) when you can get to Boston uh, and sometimes back in the same day. Uh, otherwise, you have to drive a lot further to Bangor, or you have to take a bus to Boston, and that's a big time commitment. So the airport is very important to our employees, and not only to our employees, but to the many visitors who come to the Jackson Laboratory. We have at least a thousand people come in every summer for our courses and workshops and conferences. We have trustees coming in we have students coming into our summer program and most of those people have to fly into Maine and the best place to do it is Bar Harbor mm. so the airport is really really important to us
1: as you pro- probably um, heard Allison describe that um, there's, a, there's going to be a, a request for proposals by the federal government to offer commercial service um, I guess you're as, as good a person as any to talk about your hopes for that commercial service what would you want that service to look like
4: I think we just need two things. We need a uh, good carrier to provide reliable service. And then secondly, we need a robust flight schedule so that you could get to Boston and back in a day. If we have those two things, I think we'll be happy as clams.
1: (laughs) Or or mice. Good. (laughs) Or mice. (laughs) Great. Barry, thanks so much for being with us on Talk of the Towns this morning.
4: Thank you, Ron. Thanks, Allison and Faye.
1: Okay,, yes, every day. <laughs> good. That's Barry Teeter of the Jackson Laboratory, one of the users of, of the uh, Hancock County Bar Harbor Airport, um, again, in the studio, uh, Allison Navia and Faye Lawson. Uh, Faye, I remember, um, let me just list our phone number. so that if there are listeners out there who have questions, um, they can participate as well. It's um, one toll-free 18666259378. That's one 625 9378 Six, two, five nine three seven eight I remember Fay a couple of years ago, um, you were involved in a pretty innovative program to make sure that the airport um, got its credits or something you you offered some incentives for for people to fly at the end of the year because there weren't quite enough flights to maintain some kind of federal status. Um, tell us a bit about that and, and Allison, were you involved in that yeah. as well?
0: Oh yeah, Allison was uh, very very much involved. I think you talked about the, uh, uh, the essential air service uh, program. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colgan receives a subsidy of more than eight hundred thousand a year, about eight hundred and fifty thousand, I think. Get right uh, into
1: the microphone. If in you order,
0: ahead. in order to uh, serve mm-hmm. the county, and uh, in, or- in order for that subsidy to be received by the airline, whatever the airline is, uh, we've got to deliver ten thousand uh, emplacements per year, uh, and we were short. Uh-huh. A couple a couple of years ago, I so guess it was two years ago. It was 2009. And uh, so uh, Allison presented to the uh, commissioners a list of things that we might do uh, to uh, counter that uh, problem, including driving ourselves back and forth <laughs> from some destination that we might want to uh, go to. Uh, so she conceived the idea, actually, of having... Uh, these free these tickets at low price with two weeks notice. I think it was they could get a round trip ticket to Boston for two hundred dollars.
2: It was the program actually
0: wasn't um, dealing with the essential air service
2: program. It was dealing with the Federal Aviation Administration and the way that they fund the airport every year. Um, there's different categories of airports that are listed in the National Plan for Integrated Airport Systems, and they have to do with categorization based on the amount of usage your airport gets mm. so and the way that they measure that is through enplanements. and one enplanement is one revenue passenger who boards the aircraft at your airport and leaves so it doesn't count the people that actually are deplaning who are getting off of the who arrive at bar harbor uh-huh. it's just all of those revenue so it wouldn't um, count for example if captain bears cove was uh, they call it deadheading when the pilots just can get on for free and use their benefits to fly. Those don't count okay. as employments. So, And we actually, since we're such a destination, have an unusually high number mm. of non-revenue passengers. So there's a lot of pilots that are using their benefits to mm-hmm. come back and forth from Far Harbor. So we have to separate those numbers out. Um, the way that the larger air- airports work, for instance, um, like Boston is a large hub because they have um, more than 1% of all of the emplainments for the entire United States. Mm. And then it breaks down from there into a medium hub, a small hub such as Portland, and then a non-hub such as um, Bangor and um, Bar Harbor is also a non-hub. But we are considered to be a primary airport because we provide more than 10,000. So there's those two different thresholds mm-hmm, right. right there. Um, so that gets into be to being a little bit more complicated. There's two ways that the airport actually gets funding from the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA. They can get entitlement monies, which are just like they sound, you're entitled to a certain amount of funding through the Airport Improvements Program because of the amount of traffic that you get at your airport based on those employments. There's also another set of funding that comes from discretionary money, which you have to convince them that you need. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a different pool that they choose to take money from to give to a certain airport based on need, and usually that need is based on safety. So they'll have different prerogatives that they're pushing. For instance, um, they wanted by the end of 2010 for all of the airports to be up to speed with their runway safety area requirements, and those are those two big land projects that we did at the airport and a lot of discretionary money went into those because they wanted all of them done by 2010 so those um, areas for overruns and undershoots on takeoff and landing that provided increased element of safety at the airport have a lot more precedent over expanding a terminal building or something like that that doesn't really have as much to do with safety Um, so what we were looking for was that 10,000 employment threshold to get our million dollar entitlement money. Okay. So every time you get 10,000 employments, you get a million dollars of entitlement funding for capital improvement projects that qualify under these this airport improvement program. The very interesting thing about that program um, that is actually really wonderful is that it's all internal to the aviation system um, on a federal level. So whenever you go to buy a ticket, you have certain fees or certain passenger facility charges or um, a different element of that ticket that actually contributes mm-hmm. to this. So you don't fly, you don't contribute, you're happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do fly, you are contributing to that safety and to that larger system that is all um, dealt out by the FAA. So what we were trying to do was make up that difference. If you don't reach that 10000 employment threshold, your funding is only $150,000. So oh, there's pretty good the, incentive, yeah. There's,
1: <laughs> and when did you begin to learn that or uh, be aware that you might not make the, the, the number?
2: It's really, really tough um, because I would get my report if I really, really push to get preliminary numbers, maybe the first week of the month following. So it was the first week, it was into December or November, and I was thinking, oh, this is looking a little like it's going <laughs> to be a little bit tight, we'll see what happens. So then it was. On that, our commissioners' meetings are the first Tuesday of every month. So by that first Tuesday of December, I knew, no, you're not gonna make it. Yeah, we're not gonna make it. (laughs) This, and if we are, it'll be an absolute miracle, and it'd be by the skin of our teeth. So that's when I brought to the commissioners all of these different propositions of how we could do it. So we're facing a couple of things. We have to get more people to fly out of the airport at a time when passenger levels are much lower than, say, August, when mm-hmm. we have thousands of employments, um, and they have to be revenue passengers, so we can't just give tickets away, right? Um, because they have to be paid for. So we had some money that was sitting aside in um, an unused fund, and I said, well, why don't we make an investment, and I brought it to Colgan Air as well, and I think really one of the selling points of the entire thing was getting the airline on board. For them to recognize that those capital improvement monies coming to the airport to do all of these projects that need to be done to increase the safety and the functionality of the airport, for them to recognize that and say, okay, we'll pony up $10,000 also to try to help with this, that was really one of the major points, I think, that helped. That it showed that they really actually do care about mm-hmm. what was going on at the airport. So we were going to use our funding and use what Colgan would um, contribute as well to buy a big pool of tickets. I think we went for 225 tickets that we could sell at a majorly discounted price, and I actually gave away a few of them, but they were still revenue because we purchased them. Mm-hmm. Um, so Colgan came to bat by selling them to us for a lower price, and then we we bought them, so the way the way I presented it was, okay, we're going to invest two you know twenty I think it was twenty five thousand dollars something minimal, yep, something along those lines, and you say twenty five thousand dollars, oh my goodness, you can write that check to me, but <laughs> we invest that twenty five thousand dollars to get eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars
1: kind of a no-brainer. Yep, no so brainer yep, so when
2: you look at the investment that way it it made sense, and so we were able to go forward with this. And I'll tell you what, I wish I could do it every single year. It was an excellent experience.
1: Well, and it gets people to use the airport who might not uh, otherwise use it and get them in the habit yep. of using the airport. Yeah, I think re- that has
0: happened, actually.
1: Great. I'll just remind listeners that if they've got questions for either Faye Lawson, who's a county commissioner, or Allison Navia, about the role of the Hancock County Bar Harbor Airport, they can call one eight six 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 two five. 625 nine three seven eight or locally four six nine zero five zero zero. Um, Allison what are some of the the hopes that you have for the future of the airport? Um, you asked the commissioners when you interviewed with them what what are the commissioners plans for development what are your plans now that you've been there and been the manager for uh, a couple of three years?
2: The way I look at the airport is from the perspective of a manager of a business um, and Bob Cossette told me when I was his apprentice for that that year's time that when he interviewed for the job they asked him you know so what are you gonna do with the airport and he said that they literally laughed at him when he said I'm gonna make the airport make a profit and it took him 20 years but he did it Mm -hmm. and that is not to be played down in any sense of the word because it's very rare for airports to actually pay their own way So, one of the biggest things that I want to do is continue to expand that number that's in the black every year. And I want to do it in such a way that diversifies the businesses on the airport so that we're not completely dependent on any one thing. So that if we do, through some circumstances, lose the airline or the air carrier service, that we're not going to be knocking on taxpayers' doors, asking for money because at that point we can't support ourselves anymore. So I'm looking to diversify the airport a little bit more and use um, a lot of that land that we have that's undeveloped to try to not only make the airport survive, but provide new and different kinds of businesses for the community.
1: Mm. Is that pretty well squared with what you think the commissioners as a whole want for the airport? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. We're uh, Alice and I have talked uh, a lot of, about a lot of imaginative things we might do, like create a restaurant there one day, so that small airplane owners would fly in and have a place to congregate and a place to go. Obviously, Mount Desert Island is a place to go. Right. So that, uh, uh, but we have no amenities for them once they've arrived, mm-hmm. and so something we've kind of discussed that might be fun to uh, when we expand maybe the uh, existing terminal. Uh, to uh, or or abandon it, turn it maybe into a restaurant or, or mm-hmm. have some more amenities for visiting uh, uh, owners and, and people that fly in. Right now, there are so many uh, different businesses that contribute to our support uh, that we're practically self-sufficient now. With the uh, businesses that are in place, like Mars Yachts, has about three acres of our 480. for their business. Uh, We have the uh, biplane and the uh, uh, glider business, uh, which now has its own uh, fuel farm there. Uh, We have the the, uh, FBO, the fixed-based operator, uh, who now has its own uh, fuel farm as uh, so they can do repairs as well as uh, f- uh, fuel aircraft that come in. Uh, we have a sightseeing plane uh, uh, thing that goes on. You see that from the road mm-hmm. as you drive by and <clears throat> they contribute revenues to us. They're, we have leases with all of these people, and the, uh, the income that we generate from the leases uh, is absolutely wonderful. Mm. We've got some other uh, plans that uh, in the works right now that are not going to generate some money, but they're going to generate exposure. For example, with the Department of, Tra- of uh, Transportation uh, has a, a scenic byway program. And uh, they, what they're going to do is they come in and help us. We're going we're to work together, and we're going to create uh, places, a couple of places at, uh, in, on the airport property that will let people who are traveling by come in, sit down and look at the view, for example, magnificent view mm-hmm. of the Mount Desert Island Mountains from the terminal building and mm-hmm. from the area directly in front of the mm-hmm. terminal building. And so they're going to help us to do that.
1: And you've got the um, Acadia National Park um, Visitor Center that's going in Trenton as well. going in Trenton as well. There's Trenton probably well. some connections yeah. there.
0: And the seaplane ramp that Allison mentioned earlier is uh, uh, access, provides access to the water off uh, both high and low tide. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and so we can uh, develop that area a little bit with maybe a, some granite benches or uh, some signage that uh, tells people what they're looking at and where they're going. So those recreational areas will mm-hmm. be provided as well. I think that'll be nice. It'll be a nice place to, for people to stop by and visit.
1: Mm-hmm. And you've got the Island Explorer bus system that's that's relatively new. How does is, how is that make a difference at the airport, Allison?
2: It makes quite a difference. People... Um, call me and ask for it all the time, and I see that people, you know, I see it driving in and out of the airport mm-hmm. um, during the summer months as well, and it, people are always on it.
1: Great. Um, you can participate, and we've got a few a few minutes left, one 625 9378 We may have a caller on the line now, We'll we'll see um, if we've got a call. Um, here on Talk of the Towns, we're talking about the role of the Hancock County Airport. Um, uh, What are other hopes that you have, Allison, for the future of the airport? You've got development plans, um, uh, the the whole safety issue, you've done a lot of work there. Are there particular safety programs that you're hoping for for the airport?
2: Um, As far as the safety goes, a lot of it comes down the pike from the FAA. They'll make new policies and new regulations and then it's a matter of disseminating that information including it into policies that already exist um, for example i have to write a policy for pedestrian and ground vehicle operations on the airport and just in the last two years it's now required that everybody who has any kind of access onto the air side of the airport needs to have some kind of training mm. in you know recognizing this pavement marking and what it means and knowing the lingo over the radio that's much different from a lot of other types of you know police band or fire band radios and things like that Um, So I've had to institute a training program, for instance, for all of the people who have hangar leases Mm -hmm. that would drive their vehicle over to their hangars. So now they're having to deal with these quizzes and tests that I'm giving them, and then I have to maintain those records and be able to provide them to the FAA at any time. Mm. So there's little things like that that they work towards the safety of the airport and and furthering that. So they just get put into policy, and it's a matter of, of showing everybody that a Humongous safety area, um, safety type of area was the aircraft rescue firefighting facility that uh, we were lucky enough to get funding from the American Reinvestment Recovery Act to put that in. The new and larger plane that Colgan brought in, the Saab 340, was over the passenger seat limit to mm-hmm. pass that threshold that now requires aircraft rescue firefighters to be on duty during all of air carrier operations. So that involved learning all about. Having to have a fire department and hiring those types of people and how to implement that and get them um, familiar with aviation, which is something that most firefighters aren 't familiar with so they're they're in a very special niche to know um exactly how to do runway inspections and to uh you know provide wildlife disbursement if there's wildlife out mm-hmm. there, and then also at the same time go through a really intensive amount of training that 's very specific to aircraft mm-hmm. incidents and accidents and all of those re- rescue and recovery procedures. Mm-hmm. So they're um, they're quite a special bunch and that's a great asset that the airport has mm-hmm. now.
1: And um, you had a, a presidential visit um, a couple summers back. What was that like? You must have had to do some scrambling to make that work.
2: Yeah, that was, um, and it seems like <laughs> it always comes back to me being in my jeans somehow, <laughs> when I'm not supposed to be. but. Um, that was one Saturday morning I actually got a call at home um, a very formal sounding fellow saying I need to to meet with you as soon as possible as possible that you can come into the airport this morning and part of my job is to be on call 24/7 so I headed over to the airport and I was wearing you know jeans and a plaid shirt or some something along those lines and here's these two guys that are just dressed to the hilt they've got you know the whole the whole thing going on and um, walked in there and there were two secret service agents telling me that you're going to have a very important visitor and what do we need to know about this and it was just that kind of preliminary two weeks from now we own this airport and this is what's going to be going on type (laughs) of deal Um, and it was it was awesome I really I don't have a complaint about it really Mm -hmm. it was um, it was very good to see from an inside perspective all of the massive amount of just background information that they look for. Um, I got very, very good at just giving a five-minute briefing of this is the airport, this is where you can go, this is where you can't go, this is where operations happen, Um, to all of the different agencies and entities that were part of it. Um, Got to see from an inside they actually made the aircraft rescue firefighting facility into their base Mm -hmm. um, and they had the the radars all set up and everything so they could monitor the airspace and it was it was very very cool
1: so it sounds like you never quite know what your day is going to be like
0: no i could get called in for anything at any time (laughs) that was more than cool i mean she got an award uh, from the from the government for Mm -hmm. her cooperation and for the work that she did and that's m- making things go smoothly.
1: Well, I think I can now understand why Allison got the Airport Manager of the Year in 2010, and I expect that she could probably hold that title for a while. I think so. <laughs> Thanks to both of you who for being with us. Uh, Faye Lawson, who's the County Commissioner, and Allison Navia, who's the Airport Manager for the Hancock County Bar Harbor Airport. We've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension, extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley form Coronach on a Balmain House Highland music recording. Thanks again to our guests, Faye Lawson, County Commissioner, Allison Navia, Airport Manager for the Hancock County Harbor Airport, Captain Christian Bereskov, who was a, a Colgan pilot, also the commander of the Civil Air Patrol, and Barry Teeter from the Jackson Lab. Thanks to um, our underwriters. Uh, thanks to Amy Brown for engineering. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host, for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning.
3: Support for Talk of the Towns comes from the Maine Community Foundation.